Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Never runs out. He's never in short supply of mercy. His favor. His favor's not fair. How many of you know that? We don't deserve His favor. But I'm thankful for His favor this morning. Amen. I'm thankful that He loves us. Amen. Well, it's good to see you this morning. I see you made it through Easter weekend. Uh, how many of you know we don't quit celebrating just because the day on the calendar Easter is over? We celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive every day. Amen. Amen. And because of that, we can too live and have our being. I want to start a new series this morning uh, with you and talk to you about the strong man. Uh, the strong man has uh, captured the imagination of Hollywood and Christians alike. Uh, he comes off like this comic book hero and some kind of superhuman. Uh, I, I know he didn't have a cape, uh, didn't have like uh, Wonder Twin rings, and some of y'all don't even know who that is. That just shows my age. Uh, yeah, Wonder Twin, okay, never mind. Um, he didn't have like webs that shot out of his wrist or anything like that, but he comes off like a superhuman. Uh, he, he was a real-life Hercules whose strength is legendary. Uh, he was kind of otherworldly strong, but ironically, he was real-world weak. Uh, I'm going to say that again. He was otherly world strong, but, uh, but he was real-world weak. His, uh, his story continues to impact our society today. I mean, how many little boys have you ever met named Samson? Uh, how many little girls have you ever met named Delilah? There are a few, but they're few and far between because his story continues to play out uh, century after century. He's the strong man. What's interesting to me is that although he's received the movie star treatment and shows continue to be made about him and books continue to be uh, reference him, the, the interesting thing to me about him is that when you go and research and you discover that his entire the entire story of his entire life is only four chapters in the in the Bible, and yet he captures our imag imagination to the degree that we continue to think about him. It's Judges chapter thirteen. 14, 15, and 16. And so over the course of the next few weeks on Sundays, and then our young people are also going to deal with it on Wednesday nights, uh, we're going to learn some lessons from the strong man. What we're going to do is we're going to dive into some of the very specific moments of Samson's life over the course of the next few weeks. But this morning what I want to do is I want to take a few moments and back out and take kind of a panoramic view, an overview of his life, and see kind of some of the things that he dealt with. Samson, as you know, had some fatal flaws. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, some of his fatal flaws. It may be of some importance for us this morning to kind of understand the backdrop against which Samson arrives on the scene. Because if you don't understand the backdrop that that, that was going on, that what was taking place in the nation at that moment, then it's hard to appreciate how important of a national figure he was. Samson shows up in Israel. Uh, we learned some lessons. There's some lessons here that are not in your notes that you probably ought to write down. Uh, just some things that I think will help us. The first thing that we recognize when you begin to read about Samson is that what is obtained easily seldom has much value attached to it. 
Oh, that was good. Y'all just looked at me. Uh, what, what is obtained easily seldom has much value attached to it. That's, that's why when you buy your kids clothes and it doesn't cost them anything, they don't really care whether they slide on their knees in the grass or not because it didn't cost them anything. Can I get an amen from my mom that's ever tried to? Okay, uh, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. That, that's where Samson shows up because the children of Israel have easily, with, with the help of God, now understand, they have easily escaped the grip of slavery uh, in Egypt and they have now graduated to obtaining the promised land. But how many of you know that obtaining is, is easier than maintaining? Uh, that, that, there's a relationship sermon right there for all of you that are in relationship with anybody. It is easier to obtain than to maintain. All you got to do is like give her flowers and take her somewhere nice to eat and you can obtain. But it is harder to maintain once you obtain. See, y'all ain't helping me none. I don't know if you're just soaking this in. I just did like a year's worth of marriage counseling for you right there. It's easier to obtain than it is to maintain, but we're called to maintain. Well, the children of Israel didn't maintain. They obtained the promise, but they, 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 they settle in and they failed to maintain. After settling into the promise, the Israelites completely and totally forget God. I wonder how many of us are diligent in prayer and how many of us are diligent, diligent in service and how many of us are diligent in worship until we get what we've asked for. And then the thing that got us what we wanted, we forget about. Oh, I'm preaching already and I'm just, I'm just in the intro. I'm not even in my notes yet. We pray and we seek God. Oh, God. Then God shows up and then we fail to pray and seek God. And it's easier to obtain than, okay, y'all with me. All right. See, the Israelites turn from God, and so what takes place is that God allows the Philistines to arrive on the scene for, for the next 40 years, and uh, they war against the children of Israel, the chosen ones. And, and Samson arrives. The, he shows up as a judge. He, he, he has a tenure as a judge to the people of Israel for 20 years. Now, interestingly enough, the people willingly, they, they've come out of slavery, they've accepted promise, they're enjoying the fruits of the land, and all of a sudden, the Philistines show up, and the people of God willingly accept bondage. That There's no rebellion, there's no resistance, there's no uprising, they simply give in. I wonder how many of us fall into the same trap, we're chained and we're complacent. We're handcuffed and we're happy. We're snared and we're silent. That is the account of what took place in this moment. These people find themselves in, after escaping slavery right back in bondage. And I guess they had accepted slave mentality and victim mentality to the place that now they find themselves again overcome by an enemy and they don't do anything about it. They've just overthrown giants. They've just seen walls fall in Jericho. They've watched God go out before them and slay every enemy. And now a new enemy arrives on the scene and they do nothing about it. I'm preaching. I'm hoping you're making personal application. 20 years into this domination, Samson arrives on the scene. And there's an encouraging truth in that. And that is this. God always prepares deliverance before he allows temporary devastation. Always. He disciplines us, but he refuses to allow us to be destroyed. 
So if you're being disciplined at this very moment and it looks like there's devastation coming in off the horizon, then you ought to take joy this morning knowing that if you see devastation on the horizon or if you're in the midst of discipline, you've got to understand that long before that ever started happening in your life, God had already prepared a deliverer and at some moment you can take joy and you can trust and you can hold on to the understanding that if you're going through it right now just because you're going through it doesn't mean you're not going to get through it God has a purpose and a plan and it may be difficult right now but the story of Samson reveals to us that God although he will discipline us he loves us so much that in long before the pain ever starts a deliverance is on the horizon too so I know some of you are going through it right now I know some of you are facing things right now. Just hang on. The story's not over. The story isn't complete. It's not the end. There's another chapter that will be written if you don't throw in the towel, if you hang on, if you press through, if you endure. Weeping endures for a night, but joy always comes in the morning. If you just hang on, God will come through. So Samson arrives. Samson arrives as God's appointed and selected strong man. I'm going to read to you the account of his birth. It's a very short passage of scripture. But out of that, I want to talk to you about what we learned from Samson from the first moments. And it's in Judges chapter 13. We're going to back up next week uh, to the first part of the chapter. But we need to start at the moment that he's born. It's Judges chapter 13, verses 24 and 25. It says this. It says, Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up and the Lord blessed him. Here's the key passage. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. I want to say that again. I don't want you to miss it. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Get that. The Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtio. So, so from the moment that he's conceived till, till this moment, I don't know how old he was, probably just a small uh, young man, maybe preteen, maybe teen, maybe even earlier that, than that. The Bible says that even from a young age, the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. This passage gives us our first glimpse into God's use of Samson and the impartation of the Spirit of God into his life. Uh, We're going to back up as we go through this uh, series and we're going to deal with the details or the demands of deliverance later. But but let's look quickly. This passage is the first glimpse, but it's not the only glimpse. There are three other occasions in the account of Samson where this this, this phrase, and the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord, four distinct times, and the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him or began to stir in him, began to be imparted to him. There are four distinct times. Now, there are probably other instances that that's not said. I, I think forward, I flash forward to the moments in his life, like when he's dealing with Delilah and she's trying to trick him into telling her his secret and, and she would tie his hair into the weaver's beam and he'd jump up and, and destroy it and all the other things that she did. There are moments that the Spirit of God probably was working in Samson's life, but at least four occasions, the one that I read you and three others, where it distinctly says, the Spirit of God stirred him or came upon him. Let me remind you of the others, and and I won't spend long on them. I just want to, this is an overview, so I'm just going to mention them. You'll have to know some of the story yourself. Hopefully you went to children's church long enough to know some of this. 
Uh, Judges chapter 14 verse 6 is the account where Samson has decided that he needs a wife and he sees a Philistine woman and desires to take her as his wife and on his way to go get her he encounters a young lion you know the story because I preached this in the series called Lion, lion Tamers he, he, he squares off against this young lion and he's in a place where he should not have been going somewhere he should not be going to be with somebody that he shouldn't have been with and yet God shows up and the Bible says on Judges chapter 14 verse 6 when the lion comes out that the Spirit of God worked in Samson, came upon Samson, stirred Samson to where he destroys that young lion with his bare hands. The, the, the third account is in Judges chapter 14 verse 9. He's at the wedding. Uh, the wedding ceremony, before it starts, the Philistines don't trust him, so they send 30 men to kind of hang out with him as his wedding party, which is ridiculous. He didn't even get to pick his own wedding party. And, and, and so they're, they're chiding him, and he doesn't like them because they're his enemies. And so uh, Samson gives out a riddle. And I, you get to go read the riddle for yourself. It's an interesting passage of Scripture. He gives this riddle, and he says, if you can uh, decipher the riddle and solve the riddle, then I will give to you 30 changes of clothes and, and they make this this bet this wager it's one of those I'm smarter than you moments it's a, a macho coming up in Samson I, I can say things that you'll never understand you're not as smart as me you're not as bad as me my daddy can beat up your daddy I don't know it was one of those moments and 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 so the, the Philistines get aggravated and they go to his fiance and they threaten to kill her and her entire family and so she cries for seven straight days how many of you know men that'll wear you down hey that's another message uh, cries for seven straight days until finally he tells her the solution to the riddle and so they come back in strutting and they solve the riddle and he makes a great statement I'm gonna get in trouble here so I might not even say it you go read it in the no I'll say it. he says you've plowed with my heifer how many of you know your wedding is probably in trouble when you call your fiance a heifer uh, <clears throat> bad choice of words and so <laughs> come on lighten up I'm, don't believe me go read it for yourself he, he, he says it just like that and so what happens is in this fit of anger he goes out and he finds 30 Philistines not these 30 Philistines but 30 other Philistines and the Bible says in Judges chapter 14 9, that the spirit of God comes upon him and he slays them and he takes their clothes in exchange for the lost wager the, the, the fourth one is Judges chapter 15 verse 14 it's all connected to this story. Samson's pouting because they've solved the riddle by messing with his fiance. He's pouting. And so he waits several, I guess, days, weeks, I don't know, to even return back to the wedding. And uh, I guess he shows his own immaturity, but he waits a long time. And so the, the Philistines are angry that he has killed these 30 other Philistines. And so... Samson's hiding out in some Israelite community and the armies of the Philistines show up and they're going to destroy the entire community because of Samson. And he's mad, he's angry. And so the Israelites come to him and they, uh, they say to him, could we please turn you over to the Philistines? They're going to kill us if we don't. And Samson agrees and says, as long as you don't hurt me, you can tie me up and give me the Philistines and, I, and I'll deal with them. And the account is in Judges chapter 15, verse 14. What takes place is that Samson takes 
foxes and ties their tails together. You know the account? And he, he, he sets the, the foxes on fire and releases them into the fields and destroys all their fields. And, and so uh, it, it's a bad day. And what happens is, is that now the Israelites come to him and say, let's, let's turn you over to the Philistines so they don't destroy us. And, and he goes, and when they tie him up, when he comes into the Philistine camp, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and he breaks the ropes off, and he takes the jawbone of a donkey, and he literally slays a thousand Philistines. The Spirit of the Lord. What we get from this first glimpse that I read to you and the three other accounts is this, this overview of Samson's life. When you pull it all down, what you can say is this. Consistently, over a 20-year period, this strong man is used by God. I, I mean, come on. I mean, you kill a thousand men with a, 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 the jawbone of a donkey. You, you, you can catch foxes and tie them together. You can rip gates off of hinges. You can do all of this kind of stuff. This guy was used by God. Samson, of all the Old Testament characters, knew. He understood what it felt like to sense and experience the incredible manifestation of God's power in his life. He knew what it was like to feel God run, literally run through his veins. He knew what it was like for God to turn his hands into weapons. He knew what it was like to funnel the very strength of God through his body. The anointing must have been obvious in his life because friends and foes alike recognized the Spirit of God that rested upon him, that would come and visit him, that would stir him at different times. They recognized that God used him. My question to you this morning is, can you imagine being used like that? I, I know that we've made him a comic book hero, and I know that he's this, this superhuman with a cape running around with special powers, and, and we idolize him, and we put him on a podium, and we lift him up and say he was, he was something supernatural. But, but I wonder how many of us could say, I understand what it feels to be used like that. Because I ask you this question, can you imagine what it would feel like to be used by God like that? And the answer should be yes. Although you may never get uh, tear the gates off of a city and run through the city declaring freedom and liberty in God, and although your bare hands may never be used as weapons, and, and although you may not feel like or believe that your feats of strength deserve to be considered or listed alongside what Samson did, the, the, the results and the anointing that rest on you is the same as the one that rested on Samson. The obviousness of the anointing that rests on each of you sitting under the sound of my voice today is there. People that you come in contact with can see the anointing. When you take a microphone and sing the song, when you serve the people of God, when you witness through adversity, when you hold on against hell, when you, when, when you go through what, what would crush others, when you trust God for your provision and God provides, when, when you continue on, when, when you offer hope to those that are hurting, then you are in fact in the same league as Samson. Nobody may write the story of your life 
in, 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 in scripture. Nobody may call you the strong man. Nobody may want to make a movie about you. But the truth this morning is there that when, when you are going through life and the anointing of the Holy Spirit rests upon you, when God uses you, people recognize that there's something different about you. And yet, the strong man's life is a cautionary tale for those of us that are used by God. I want to caution you this morning that Samson had two very obvious fatal flaws. And if we are not careful, as we are being used by God, as the Spirit of God rests upon us and we go through life and we witness and we go through life and we persevere and we go through life and we, we see things happen through our life, our faithfulness, our diligence, the favor of God resting upon us. If we're not careful, we will fall prey to the two great fatal flaws that Samson had. And so I want to warn you this morning that we've got to address those flaws and deal with those flaws and avoid those flaws. The first one is this. The strong man was used by God, but he remained unchanged by God. When you take a panoramic view of Samson's life from almost day one until the very last breath that he ever took in, in his entire life, his entire existence, he was used by God, but he was never changed by God. For all of Samson's anointed moments, uh, for all of the times he saw miracles and all the times he won against overwhelming odds, of all the times he saw the enemy routed and great victories won, feeling the Spirit of God come upon him as, as used by God as he was, his moments of God power had no bearing and no influence on his daily decisions and choices. He was used by God. He was just never changed by God. You, you think about this. Uh, just because he was used by God and the Spirit of God came upon Samson, just because that took place, it had no bearing on his geography. He was a Nazarite. He wasn't even supposed to be in a vineyard, was, which was where he killed the young lion. He wasn't even supposed to be there. He, he, he wasn't even supposed to be near dead bodies, but he hangs out around the dead lion after he kills him. He, he's breaking his vows. His, his being used by God, seeing God come upon him to where he could literally tear a young lion, not an old decrepit lion, but a, a lion that was in its, the, the finest moments of his life, strong, crazy strength, comes out on him, and with his bare hands, he rips him in two. And yet, being used like that never caused him to change where he went. Encountering God on Sunday has no impact on where I decide to go on Friday. Used by God, but unchanged by God. It had no bearing on his hunger and his appetites. He wasn't supposed to touch a dead body, much less eat honey out of a dead body. You know the story. He kills the young lion. He comes back past, and now there's honey in the lion, and he reaches in and pulls the honey out, and not only does he eat, he takes it to his parents to eat. He wasn't, God used him, but he never allowed God to change his longings. And I wonder how many of us still long for the same things we longed for long before we ever worshipped God. 
or was used by God. I wonder how many of us see God operate in our life, but he never, we never allow him to change our appetites and our hungers and what we long for. He, being used by God had no bearing on his lusts or his desires. His life is one big tale of uncontrolled and unbridled lust. Prostitutes and Philistine women were common fare for Samson. How many of us walk into an environment where God uses us on a regular basis, but we never allow him to change our lusts? It's quiet in here. Used but unchanged. He, he, he allows God to use him, but it has no change. It doesn't impact his relationships. He was used by God, but it had no impact on who he chose to associate with. I'm preaching right now. What communion or fellowship does light have with dark? You, you read the life of Samson, and in his last moments, you see that he's literally got his la head in the lap of his enemy. He was used by God over and over and over and over and over again, and it had no bearing on who he hung out with. Pastor Woody preached a, a, a series on Wednesday nights to our teenagers that I recommend that every teenager in the room, every college student in the room, every single person in the room, listen, go back and listen to it's online called yoked God talks about us not being unequally yoked but I think we pass that off to just the single folks and some of us are, are married and yet our relationships on the outside of that marriage are unequally yoked and we find ourselves used by God but we won't allow God to step in and have ownership dominion over our relationships Used by God but unchanged. He never allowed the God that operated through him to operate on him. How many of you know that it is easier, it is much easier to settle for outward demonstration than to submit to God for inner transformation? That was good. I'm going to say it again because I think this is where many of us fall. We have no problem with God using us for outward demonstration, but we will refuse over and over and over again to submit to the same God that used us to provide demonstration to allow. We will fight him when he tries to produce inner transformation, and we will just settle for what he's doing on the outside and never allow him to transform what's taking place on the inside. See, the strong man was unchanged because he chose to compartmentalize his life. He loved that God was available when he needed him. He loved that, 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 that God was able to use him, but at the same time, he, was never, he would never allow God to have rule and reign over his life. He had the ability to rationalize and justify sin while still wanting God to use him when he needed him. He flirted with God. How many of you know God doesn't want to flirt? He wants to get married. God doesn't want to date. He wants a commitment. He wants to change. He, he, he flirted with the anointing. He, see, listen to me. His Sunday life had absolutely nothing to do with his Monday life. And how many of you know that we cannot sow departure from God on Monday and expect to reap his presence on Sunday? 
You cannot so departure from God all week long, do life your way, and then all of a sudden when you need him on Sunday, God, I've made a mess of my life all week long. I've sown departure from you. I haven't spent any time with you. I haven't prayed. I haven't read my word. I haven't given. I haven't served. I've tried to run my life all week long. I, that's what I've sown. But now on Sunday, I'm in desperate need of your attention because I need you now. Never going to reap presence when you've sown departure. That's the first flaw. The second flaw is this, and it's one we've got to learn is that the strong man loved the strong man. Samson's when you, when you boil when you when you take a panoramic view of Samson's life as a total picture what you realize is that Samson's issues stem from the fact that Samson loved Samson. I find it interesting that Abby talked this morning. I didn't tell her what I was going to preach, but she stands up here and says, God didn't give us an, a, a selfish love. And yet Samson had a selfish love. He loved himself. He, he, was, he was given this, his entire life, his, his entire use of his gifts boiled down to Samson looking out for Samson. Samson was called to a greater good. Samson was called to impact the entire nation. Samson was set up to be a deliverer for the entire people of Israel. And yet he never uses his gift to help anybody but himself. He never learned to use the anointing for the benefit of others. He loved being used by God because it made him look good and because it fulfilled his need to be used and because it gave him a stage and because it gave him a platform and it gave him a claim and it gave him success and it gave him pleasure and it met his need. But he never used his own gift to impact anybody else but him. In fact, he didn't mind sacrificing others for what he needed. See, the anointing was squandered on personal gain. And what we learn, listen to this, you've got to get this this morning. What we learn from Samson is that although it is possible to use the anointing for personal gain, it is not permissible. God didn't gift you so that it could make a name for you. God didn't allow you to develop the gifts that he's placed in you. God didn't deposit the anointing in your life just so people will clap for you, just so that you can become wealthy, just so you can become accepted, just so that you can become successful in your line of work. God did not allow the anointing to rest on you just so that it will gratify and meet your need. God deposits all of that in us so that we can in turn reach out and impact others. Our problem is, is that we have a fatal flaw. We love us more than we love anybody else. And it led him to destruction. Samson's life was destroyed. The Israelites continued to battle and face the Philistines for decades and centuries to come because Samson did not know how to use his gift for anybody else but him. And so the question I have for you this morning is this, and we've got to answer these questions, is are you being used by... Wait a minute, I've got to correct that. That's not the question. 
The question today is not, are you being used by God? The question is, are you being changed by God? See, I don't really care if you can sing under the anointing. What? Yeah, I said it right. I don't really care if you can sing under the anointing. What I want to know is, do you live under the anointing? See, I, I don't even, I, I'm not even really impressed that you serve under the anointing. Well, I, I can serve, man. You, you put me at the door and you will see the anointing. I have the greater anointing. I, I've, got a, I've got a hospitality. You put me at, I don't really care. As long as you can smile and got good breath. Don't really care. That doesn't impress me. Because what I'd really like to know is, do you date under the anointing? Uh, you don't know, you don't know, Steve. Man, when I pray, whoo, there's anointing. You just call me when you need prayer. I'm a prayer. I am anointed to pray. Congratulations. What I want to know is, are you anointed when you shop? <laughs> That's different. Because some of you can pray the house down, but you can't stay out of debt. Can't trust God with my finances. I don't have any left. But I can pray. I can pray under the anointing. But then I can run to the mall and go into debt so deep that now I can't. Does the anointing impact your money? Does the anointing impact your travel? Does your, your anointing impact your friend selection? Does your anointing impact your movie selection? Does the anointing impact your music selection? Because the question is not, are you being used by God? I can look at everyone in here and say, God uses you. I see it on a regular basis. That's not the question. The question is, are you being changed by the God that is using you? Because if you're not being changed, then it doesn't really matter how many times God uses you because your life will end up in destruction and you will never be able to use the gift of God to impact anybody but you. See, the, 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 the power of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit is Samson's story. He knew the power of God, but he never embraced the character of God. And I wonder how many of us on a weekly basis walk into these doors and we encounter the power of God and we allow God to use us on Sunday, but it has no bearing on our geography, has no bearing on our appetites, has no bearing on our lust, has no bearing on our relationships, and we come in here week after week and God uses us, but he never really changes us. And then I wonder whether or not we're using anything God has given us for the good of others. We need to wrestle with that question. If God quit using you right now, would anybody notice? Would anybody's life be less than what it is right now because God is using you to such a degree that you're impacting people around you and you're influencing people around you and you're making their life better. You're allowing them to experience God at a greater level. If God quit using you right now, would it impact anybody? Because if you're not using your gift for anybody but you, then you fall into the same trap that the strong man fell into. And the gift that God deposited in you for the greater good will be used up on you. And it's a fatal flaw. 
I wonder for how many of us God is just a sugar daddy that we turn to for our own good. The strong man was strong, but he was incredibly weak. And I wonder how many of us are strong, but we're incredibly weak. Because the same God that is operating through us is not allowed to operate on us. And there's an outward demonstration of his power, but there's no inner transformation. You know the end of the story. I feel like Paul Harvey. The rest of the story. You know the final outcome. My question is, what could have been? And my question for you this morning is, what could your life be like and how much power and how much influence and how much difference could your gift make if you could escape and miss these fatal flaws? I want you to stand with me this morning. Used by God, but unchanged by God. I'm just going to simply pray over you this morning and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to wrestle through the geography of your life, the appetites of your life, the lusts of your life, the relationships of your life. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. Passion. 